What is up, everybody? And welcome to the Real Talks podcast. My name is Mike Singletary. And I am Frank Chan, and we are going to be your hosts. And what we're going to do is break down what it takes to live life on your terms through entrepreneurship, specifically real estate investing. So we're going to hit it hard, the good, the bad, and the real, because that climb, as any entrepreneur knows, is never smooth. So let's get real. Let me properly introduce you because your resume is pretty impressive here. And let me kind of go through this. So Jenna, you are a real estate speaker, mentor, mentor since 2013, uh, residential redeveloper, love historic uh, preservation, uh, 23R rentals and Airbnbs, nationally featured TV personality on HCTV and DYI network, uh, public speaker, business lifestyle coach, and performance coach. And most importantly, you're the mom of Addison and Asen. Is that correct? Yeah, you got it. Most people can't pronounce his name, so I give you some credit there. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, tell me about your journey. Tell me about, you know, how you started into real estate and, you know, what what you're doing now. So we have segments in here. One of them is called A Humble Brag. So tell me, you know, all the great things you've been doing and 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 your journey, like I said. Yeah, well, my background was not anything close to real estate. So my background was actually the medical field. So I went to school for radiology and I graduated and got right into medical sales. So I did that for about seven years. And I kind of joke about like I drank from the golden chalice too young because I was like 20 years old making like $126,000 a year doing super great with that. But it's just kind of seems like it was no amount of money would make me excited for that alarm clock to go off each day. It was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to do this again. So it was just, it was just draining. It just wasn't for me. And I was always the person that I would turn on a TV show, like any of those real estate shows. And I'm like, let's go paint our kitchen cabinets today. Or let's like, I've always, always loved doing it. And I'm from like a little tiny country town in Southwestern Pennsylvania. So I'm pretty close to like Morgantown, West Virginia. So there was like no real estate people that I ever knew that flipped houses or I've never like I know it was like taboo, like nobody ever talked about it where I was from. And I was like, man, I just always, always want to do this. And so got into real estate or actually before I got into real estate, um, you know, towards the end of my marriage, I, I had my daughter. So she was, you know, real little and ended up having to move back in with my parents. So it was like one of those like, you know, nobody mm-hmm. really enjoys that like part of your life. So I was like. Um, moved in with my parents with my two dogs and um, oh, if you don't, oh, I should never ask age. But how long ago was that? Um, so, well, I had her at twenty four. Yeah. By twenty five, I was divorced. Wow! And so I moved in with my parents pretty much like right after, you know, like she was about six months old. So moved in with them into my old bedroom with my two dogs, and it was just like you know, like how when real you, was that? I don't. I mean, because. Like whenever I was married, I mean, we both had great medical sales jobs. We made like quarter of a million dollars a year easy. We had, you know, lake property. We had a condo in in the city. We had a house of 13 acres, you know, sports cars, Harleys. Like, you know, that would be like the definition of like somebody's like you made it. Like this is it. Like you're, you know, it's awesome. And so I had kind of decided to put my sales job on hold when I got pregnant with her and had her. So at the time where kind of things fell apart. I was, I had no job. I had no income and I had to move back out with my parents. So I was basically like homeless, jobless, nothing other than I'm a full-time parent. I can't even take care of myself and I have to take care of somebody else. Like what the heck am I going to do? So, yeah. um, 
but going back there, like I, I started taking any job I could get. Like I was working in a pain clinic. I started working for a doctor in the city. So I would drive like an hour and a half each day, like each way to, to work, put my daughter in daycare super early in the morning. I was just exhausted. I was like, there has to be something better than this. And so, you know, kind of fast forward, like one day I was at the gym and I was uh, listening to, you know, one of my radio um, stations or something and an ad popped up on, on, you know, on Pandora and it was like for uh, real estate education. And I'm like, well, holy heck, like, what do I have to lose? I mean, I don't really have anything other than, you know, I mean, my daughter is everything, but other than that, I had nothing. So I'm like, well, what the heck, why not? So um, I just like literally dove headfirst into it. And obviously like when you get into these training seminars and things like that, it is a huge investment. And I mean, it was about 25 K to get into it. It was for six months of training. And I looked at it and I'm like six months, 24 weeks. So 24 weeks, 25 K every week I sit here and do nothing. I'm taking a thousand dollars away from my daughter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had to look at it that way. So within six months of getting into real estate, I was a, a mentor myself. I started training other people because in my within, area, within six months, yeah, within six months. And like, wow. I don't do not recommend that to anybody yeah. because like, yeah, I, I, like I was in like just constant competition with myself because it was like, how can I do one better than myself? Because it was like, you know, I mean, I was like, with you social media syndrome, right? You can't help but have yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy because I like grew up super sheltered. I went to mm-hmm. private school for 13 years. I'd never really been around computers until like I was in college. So it was like everybody's do social media, get on social media. And I'm like, I don't know anything about social media, you know, so I would post different things like just totally naive and it would just skyrocket. Like I would post pictures of like LVL beams and I'm knocking out center walls and all these houses and it would get like noticed by all these people. And I'm like, right. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, you know, but cause I had no fear with it. Cause I like, I mean, I didn't care what I posted cause I didn't even know what was like acceptable or not. And so Um, so then I just got noticed really quickly. Um, I mean, I was doing some like really cool projects and in my area, there was no investor competition. So my investment, my mentors, they were like, go out guys, make, make 10 offers and see what happens. Cause you know, you make 10 offers and most of the time you don't hear anything. Why in about six deals I was looking at, like in the way beginning of my career and I went out and Oh yeah, they were all great deals. Oh, and wow. so I was like, I went out, I made six offers and all six got accepted. And I'm like, oh, I didn't get that far in the training. <laughs> so I didn't even know what to do. <laughs> like so month was, two or something like yeah. that, right? I mean, I was just yeah. like, I was still in the marketing module and I'm like, well, what the heck do I do? I don't have any money saved. I don't, I mean, I had like a tiny little self-directed um, IRA, but other than that, I was able to like wholesale one. I had kept one as a rental for a bit. I, you know, flipped the other ones. Um, I think I went forward on five of them. So, I mean, it was just like whirlwinds, but it like, because I was so zero to 60 so quickly, it got noticed so quickly. And so that's why I learned so much in such a short amount of time. And then I became a mentor and I mean, the rest was kind of history. So, you know, from there, I just, you know, kept doing project after project. I mean, there was times we were, we were doing between five and 10 projects at a time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was, I mean, my daughter at this point, she was two. So, I mean, it was just, you know, it was just, you know, crazy of a journey. And, um, you know, that's kind of how I got into it. Cause like, I just always loved those TV shows. I always loved flipping, but I just never knew anybody to do it. I never knew anybody who did it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like my first time that I'm like meeting people that actually flip houses that know what they're doing. And like, I, I think the 
the good thing for me, I mean, it's, it makes me crazy nervous to even think about how I was like 10 years ago, but like, I had no idea what I didn't know. So it was mm-hmm. like, I had no fear because I'm like, I don't even know what I could screw up. And <laughs> so, right. um, so you just I mean, it was jump, just, right. Yeah. I mean, I, and I like with having my daughter, I mean, I, I basically, you know, exhausted our savings and, and everything to, to invest in myself. And that's usually the hardest part for people is just like feeling like you're worthy and worth enough to invest in yourself. And, you know, and I, I had to, I just, I felt like there was such a better life for us. And I just hated the idea of getting up at six o'clock every day, putting her in daycare by six 30, driving an hour and a half to work, you know, working eight or 10 hours, driving an hour and a half home. And by that time, my parents would have had to have picked her up from daycare because they'd have been closed by that time. And then it's like, then you're exhausted. And I'm like, that, and I'm like, my paychecks would be like $900 after taxes every two weeks. And yeah. I was like, this is, is terrible. <laughs> like, I'm not doing this any anymore. So well, it took a lot of guts for you to do what you did. Uh, you know, probably, you know, to point taken, what you said is like, you know, you didn't know what you didn't know. And you just kind of jumped into it. Um, do you think you would have done the same thing at a different stage in life? It's, do you think it's a part of your personality or no? Um, I mean, I always loved real estate. I think like about it now, like 10 years later, and I'm just like, man, like I was like bold. Like there, there right. was like not, there was nothing that like scared me. And one of the things that I learned really early on, and I always tell this, especially to women, is that a lot of like the, a lot of the fear and, and, and that type of stuff, it's all like really related to your confidence and your confidence is really based on your level of education and your knowledge. So what I figured out is like people would challenge me way more in the beginning. Like I would do, I'd, you know, post a picture of I would be doing an addition on the house and then you'd get these guys that would puff their chest and they're like, you can't do a monolithic foundation pour in Pennsylvania and all this like BS crap. And then I would get like, so I would like, like, let that be like my marketing. So I would basically then get a code inspector coming out and I'd film them and I'm like, can I do this? And they're like, absolutely, you can do this. So I would like challenge people and then I would get like more and more educated and then I would just get more and more confident. So they're really, I really didn't have a lot of fear. Now that I look at it later on in life, like I would be scared to do everything that I did from, I mean, I had nothing. So, I mean... I would, I would be, I think I would be scared, but I think a lot of it was like based on my age, just how naive I was, how hungry I was. And I don't know. I don't know if it was just like, I was more fearless back then. I think the part that you just hit the hunger part and the knowing that there was something else better for you is really the driver for most people, right? Most people will get into uh, real estate to, you know, create a better life. But then most of us, create another job at the beginning, right? And they can't find their way out of that. But uh, the ones that are successful um, are the ones that just have this grit and determination that they're going to make this thing work no matter what. And uh, and it's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. So Yeah. I mean, and I think that that's what separates the people that, that succeed versus the kind of the wannabes is that if somebody else has been able to do this and accomplish it, then it's possible. So then if it's possible for them, it's possible for me. I just have to make sure that I don't quit on the day that everybody else quits. And so those were the days like where they're like, I would call my mentors. I'm like, this sucks. Like, you know, like, what do I do? Just like, just tell me everything's going to be okay. And they're like, bad day, Jenna. And you know, like, so I would have (laughs) days where I would just be like, I don't want to do this anymore. But then they would be like, that's okay. You should quit now because this is where everybody else would quit. And I'm like, man, like, I'm not like everybody else. I'm not a quitter. And, and those are the days where 
you become an investor. Like the days yeah. where you figure out what to do whenever you feel like there's nothing that you can physically, mentally, it all do. And those are, and I think that that's kind of that breaking point is that everything is possible. Everybody can quit at any given time, but it's the people that literally don't quit and they keep finding, they keep pushing, they keep asking and they keep figuring out what the heck to do. And those are the days where you like really impress yourself because I look back and I'm like, man, that sucked. That moment sucked. This house sucked, you know, like different things. But those are like, the, like you said, like that's the grit that makes you like, those are the things that like, then you can pour that knowledge into somebody else where you can like say like, here's what to avoid. Here's what not to do. And then making them like there's so many different people that I've mentored and I see like, you know, they have this huge rental portfolio and Airbnbs and they're doing all these deals and they're making 60K on this house and 70K on that house. And I'm like, thank goodness. Like, it's just so exciting to and empowering to see the people that are able to just capitalize on the things that I've educated them on, but then also avoid the pitfalls and the things that I, uh, you know, that I encountered too. Uh, well, I think, you know, you know, I, I'm not a coach or anything like that, but I obviously I bought some stuff and, and I was always that student that, you know, put my own twist on things, which wasn't always the smartest thing. It was horrible. And finally, you know, I, I kind of like, listen, let me just do what I paid, you know, that person to teach me. Right. And, and I think that, uh, tell me, you know, talk to me about that. When you see your students right now, what is the most common mistakes that they make? Um, I think that, I mean, a huge, a huge thing that I see a lot is just like letting the negativity of the outside world get in because it's almost like when you're surrounded by like-minded people, it's like, just when you go to these masterminds, there's a different energy. The conversations are different. You know, they always say that you're the average of, you know, like what the five people or whatever it is that you surround yourself with. And I think that that's usually the difference is like, we can get on these different calls and we can meet up and the different masterminds. And then it's like, they go home and it's like, you can just instantly almost like see them become just like deflated. Like, because it's, you know, their friends and their family, they tell them that they're not going to do well or they won't be successful. And I remember like, I fell into a lot of that in the beginning because obviously I didn't have this spousal support. Cause like kind of fast forward during that time of getting into real estate, I had gotten remarried and I, it wasn't a supportive type of situation. So I didn't have a spousal support. I didn't have friends that really were entrepreneurs or even believed in it. You know, my parents were like, you know, like definitely like nine to five, you go work, you retire at 60 something. And this is the way the world works. And that's the way it is. So like, I didn't really have any of that support. And I remember one of my mentors told me, he's like, um, it's actually, you know, Pat Precourt, like he had basically had said to me, like, look, you know, when people tell you that you're not going to succeed or that you're going to fail. He's like, don't take it personally. He's like, because it has everything to do with them and nothing to do with you because it's a reflection of themselves and their own confidence level. And he's like, you know, so he basically said, you know, they know if they're ever in your spot in your situation, they would fail. And that's why you're different. That's how you're different is because like, they think they're protecting you. They think they're like, oh, let me, let me prevent you from getting into this, this terrible mistake. It's because yes, they would fail. And that's where you're different. So a huge, a huge thing that I work with people on is it's like, I can teach somebody real estate all day long. I can teach you how to flip a house. I can teach you all these different things. But the main thing is almost like breaking a wild horse. It's like, you need to spend time on some, with somebody on mindset, on on that type of stuff, like almost like breaking them down and rebuilding them like the military because they've been ingrained with all this negative stuff at home and with their families and their spouse tells them like you shouldn't do this. You should be getting a regular job. And those are the tough things is just like 
you know, really working with them on that because that is everything. Like that's their drive. If, if somebody is like negative talking them all the time, then they're not going to be motivated to look for leads. They're not going to be excited to wake up every day and talk to sellers. They're not going to, they're not going to want to do anything. It's going to be miserable. Well, yeah. I mean, because to be an entrepreneur is an exercise in failure, right? An exercise of how you get over that obstacle constantly. And I think you nailed it where, you know, we're really kind of uh, inhibited by our framework sometimes. You know, I come from a very blue collar family and, um, you know, there was always limitations of what I thought I could do until I'm around those type of people that are above me. And then you realize really quickly, well, they're not really that much smarter than me or not smarter than me at all. If they could do it, I can do yeah. it. Right. And so uh, I think you 100% nailed that. Um, let me ask you, what are you excited about right now? What are you working on right now that like gets you going? Um, I just I'm, like, I totally love rehabbing and I'm like such a geek about it. Like really? when I got in, yeah, I, I, I love me. it. I, just, I, I hate just, rehabbing. I, I just, and that's my thing. Like, yeah. I just love it. And I love, I love the transformation. I love the change. And I, yeah, I was, I, I would that. be one of those, I would love to, like, I would, love to be like one of those people that could just like sit in the house and see it change. And I remember like when I first got into it, like I would just like take on all these huge projects. Some of them were like too huge, but like, I mean, I ended up figuring it out. Yeah. Like one of the last couple of houses we did, it was like, it was like four floors. It was 40, 41 windows, three living rooms, six bedrooms. Like it was gigantic. Oh my gosh. It was huge. Yeah. Um, it was the first house in our area. So it was super historic and I loved it. But um, but those are like, that's what excites me. Like, I love the change. I love walking through and videoing it. And that's where I was like, super like social media annoying in the beginning. Like I look yeah. back and I wish I could like slap my 2013 self. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you were so annoying on social media, <laughs> but yeah. I would just like film everything and I would like post everything, but I love that. And so like, you know, as I got older and you know, it's just like, yeah, um, this is what I'm doing. It's like more focused on like other things. But now I'm like really getting like I, I really started building my rental portfolio, getting in Airbnbs and stuff and like really focusing on that. But it's like there's nothing really sexy about like only oh, post a picture of my rental today. Like nobody cares. <laughs> so like now that I'm getting back more into like rehabbing. So I have a couple projects that we're in the process of bringing on. And it's like they're huge. Like they're like one is a six bedroom and it's it, it, it was a duplex. But now it was kind of like a, you know kind of like a ghetto type of like you know one house but like they didn't do it right so like you know kind of makeshift so like you know it just it hasn't been lived in the one side since the 1950s so I'm just so excited to just like knock out walls and just like see what's behind the walls again and post that transformation and it's like I mean that like is what really excites me about real estate like I'm one of those geeks that I could work like an eight hour day in real estate and be like energized to do another eight hours and that's so. where my mom, she'd be like, why are you working so much? It'd be like one o'clock in the morning. My daughter would already be asleep and I'm like sitting there looking at leads. And she's like, why are you doing this? I'm like, cause this is, this is my fun. Like, like most people would be like sleeping or sitting on their phone or watching movies, like after they're done working. And that's like, that is my fun time. So well, why you're so successful in this one, in this venture. Right. I mean, because I mean, we personally, you know, we've done over 500 homes and I, I, just homes were not my thing. We shifted to land recently, which I love. And I've been virtual investing for the last five years. And funny, I was just talking to Chris Chico, the godfather of virtual investing, right? And I'm like, how do you create content on virtual investing? He's like, what? You create content me sitting in, on a laptop? You know, it's like, yeah. it's not enthralling, right? I mean, so 
with you, the big transformation, especially taking on those historic uh, renovations, those are those are difficult, by the way. For those mm-hmm. that don't know, those are unbelievably difficult or more difficult than just a standard uh, flip, right? Uh, but then you're really harnessing the power of social media. If I feel like that's really been a big catalyst of your journey. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's so fun though. Like when like the the last house we did that was like super historic, it was like. I mean, we had like the button in the floor that you had to push that would like notify the staff in the kitchen. Like there was servant quarters, there were servant staircases. It was like, it was almost like a museum. It was that old and historic. I mean, and then when we opened up walls, we found like love notes that were like 80 years old. I was able to track the original people down and I found the person who's the, who owned the love notes and he was like 86 years old from California. I mailed them to him. Him and his wife were cracking up reading these love notes from this little girl down the street. I mean, yeah. it was like, it was like, it was so risque. Like when you'd read these love notes, this girl was like, oh, my dad's not going to be home today. You should come over. And he's like, oh my gosh, I remember this, you know, he was so like cracking up, but I mean, I, I just love that. Like, I love showing the transformation and like knock on wood. Like the thing is when people think that I don't want to be annoying on social media, the thing is people follow that. Like people love those real estate shows on TV. And so people would follow my houses. Like I would be, I would have a house that would be down to the studs and I would have people already start looking at them, already start making offers, already start putting things under contract because with having, you know, three or five houses all you going on at the same time, they would all be in like different stages. So I would take somebody here and I'd be like, here's the same color paint we're going to use. Here's the tile that we always use. Here's what it's going to look like. We can come to this one and then you can see it at the studs. So I would have people that would be following them. And as soon as they'd be finished, I'd have offers on them like right away. So that's like something that's like a big takeaway that I had in the beginning is like people think like, I don't want to, I don't want to like post what I'm doing most of the time because they don't want their friends and family knowing they're in real estate. But for me, it was like a great way for for me to really get my projects out there. And that's when you start building your following. Like people start seeing the quality. Like I wanted people to see behind the walls. Like I want you to see all the wiring that we're doing and the plumbing and the insulation. And I want you to see the tamper-proof outlets we're using and like all the silly things that people think aren't big deals. But like a house is the biggest investment somebody makes. And I do all of it with family in mind because I bought a house from my business. My brother lives in a house I've renovated. And neither one of those houses, we we renovated it with us in mind. So, you know, there's no way I'd live in a house if I knew I cut corners or did something kind of shady. So um, so that's so powerful. A lot of people really do cut a lot of corners and don't pull permits and all this other stuff. Right. And, And I totally get it. And I love the what you just said there, because I used to say that too. It's like. I am building somebody else's, you know, future. I'm building their, their memories, right? Like they're, they're going to have, you know, kids. Cause I have, I'm a dad, I have three kids. So, uh, they're going to be building their life in this place that I'm renovating. And that, that was always a driving mechanism for me as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, let me ask you something. Cause I know, uh, how difficult this is and I would like to hear your input on it and, and the, um, I guess the wisdom that you could bestow upon somebody new or even doing this and don't, don't do this very well, which is how do you manage your contractors? What is your, what does your process look like as far as that's concerned? Um, I mean, I looked into getting some good contractors in the beginning. Like I always recommend, like people think, well, I'm going to put up my bandit signs or I'm going to do all my online marketing or social media or all these different things to try to get properties and projects and things like that. A lot of times you're going to get contractors from that because they're going to see who's this person that's doing all these projects 
I want to be tied to them because that's consistent work. And so a lot of my contractors that I've worked with, some of them found me and it's just, you know, you kind of have that reputation in the area that you are who is who the person is to buy and sell houses. So I think that I had a lot of fun with it in the beginning because like people look at like when I, w- I first started, I was like 26 years old. I was this young blonde girl and like people would look at me like, okay, yeah. like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure to, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so like, I I remember I'd go to interview a contractor and you'd see these guys, they like hold up their arms and they're like, can you just put me in contact with whoever's in charge around here? And like this guy literally said that to me. I'm like, in charge? Like, what do you mean by in charge? And he's like, like whoever makes the business decisions around here. I'm like, oh, you mean like who owns the company? And he's like, look to me like, finally, you know, idiot, you're getting it. And I'm like, yeah, you're looking at him. And then can you like put me in contact with almost had a job? You know, like when we were doing like a ton of different oh, projects, awesome I mean, response, we were doing, like we would be doing like, you know, five to 10 roofs in the summertime. Like we, cause w- what we do is we like get a, you know, like a block of properties. And then we would, you know, if it'd be like fall time, it's like, we're doing all the windows, the roof and the siding so that that way all winter long, my guys have all consistent work and it's inside work. So it's like, you don't want to work for me. That's fine. Go like, go bid other jobs, go waste your time, go do whatever you want to do. But like, you know, it's, it's all based on like, it's very much trust. And I don't want to get like, you know, make anybody think like I haven't been screwed over. Cause like I've been stolen from, I've had project managers that have stolen from me. Like I've had pretty much you can think of it has happened, but because of that, I've like severely learned, but you know, the, the way I look at it is like, if they want to have consistent work, they want to work for me, but it's all based on trust. So, um, something that people didn't know about me when I first got into it, like my dad had his own construction company before. So I'd be 12 years old doing roofs in the summertime with my dad. And so like people would look at me as this like young blonde girl that doesn't know anything. And I would, you know, I I would, I would kind of like put them in corners where I'd be like, wow, like I'd play the dumb blonde. And I'd be like, Mm -hmm. wow, that roof is really big. Like how much do you think it will cost to fix it? Like, like totally not like acting like I didn't know. And they would just tell me some like ridiculous number. And I'm like, oh, the the way I look at it is, you know, I should be paying like $4 and 60 cents a square foot. And it's this many feet and I should be like 8,600, whatever dollars. And they're like jaw drops. And they're like, you know, they're trying to quote me at like 17 K or something like that. And so like, again, a lot of that knowledge is power, but like, you know, so I would put them in situations where I knew the answer. I knew what was best for me. And there, cause there's times where you have to, like, you know, you're going to have to heavily rely and trust, uh, trust your contractor because, you know, they may say you could do this or this. And if this, if, if solution A is going to be the one that's going to financially benefit me and help me get the next job and the next job, then that's who I want to work with. But if somebody is going to say like some solution that's only going to benefit them and I need to do this and I need to do that and cost more money, then I don't want to work with somebody like that. So the best way to get the contractors obviously is, is going to be referrals. Like I would go to my local hardware store and they have those big bullets and boards when you walk in and all the business cards that are all posted there. So I'd take all the business cards down or we'd go to a restaurant, like some of those places, like different pubs and stuff in our area will have like, you know, the table that has like all the different ads of all the different contractors. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to contact them all, but I'm going to ask them all these different questions. It's almost like a list of questions that I would know, like you answer it like this, this or this, you're going to screw me over, you know? So like, yeah. Yeah. you give me a couple of examples of that? Because I think that's for, especially for women, if they're going into this industry, that's the most daunting task. I mean, I, when I came in, uh, I don't know if you know my history. I, I was a hairdresser. I mean, I, I, I owned high-end hair salons. I knew nothing about construction. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I remember that was a hurdle for me that I had to figure out. Uh, but you had the benefit, the a disadvantage of them not taking you seriously because you're a woman, but you had the benefit of knowing it, knowing having knowledge walking in. What if somebody walks in without any knowledge? What would you What would you recommend for them? Um, I mean, I would try to equip myself with obviously the right coaches, the right mentors, but the right tools, systems, and, and resources. So having you know, great software or great products that are behind you. If you have like repair estimators, if you have deal analyzers, you have things like that, like different tools to where you can come in here and plug in a couple of different, you know, click, click, click. And then I can see what it would cost for me to renovate that project. So just, you know, having, having the right tools is going to be critical for me or having some sort of a calculator to analyze these projects you know, really networking with different investors in the area. And th- that way you can share contractors. You can basically cross-reference, like, what should this cost? I mean, I know a lot of times in the area, you're going to have people that have that scarcity mindset. Like, oh, I can't I can't give you my trade secrets. I can't tell you this. Like, I even, even remember, like, whenever I first got into it, like, my mentors are like, go out, introduce yourself to all the different local uh, realtors in the area. Tell them who you are, what you do what you're going to be doing. And I remember I called this one like broker in the area and I'm like, hi, my name is Jenna. You know, I'm going to be doing like five to 10 projects this year and you know, like all excited, like this new kid. And he like, you know, and they like laughed at me and they're like, yeah, like call me back when that happens. And so then like I started buying all these houses and, you know, a lot of them were like for sale by owners and I needed to have a, cl- a place to close on all these. So I would ask them, I would basically say, do you mind if I use your office to do my closing? So I would do all my closings for all my purchases in their office just to yeah. use their boardroom just to be like, oh, that's when it happens, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I mean, but I mean, a lot of it is just going to be networking with the people in the area and, you know, asking the other uh, other investors, you know, what you should be paying. And then it's, I mean, get multiple bids. I mean, you have to do that because, I mean, you want to make sure that you're getting the right price and, you know, figuring out who's paying for material, who's not, or, you know, are you getting it? Are they getting it? And, you know, being really responsible, but having like ironclad documents, like my, you know, my documents, my critical documents that I work with my contractors. I mean, like I'm a stickler Mm -hmm. and I mean, who's, who's cleaning up the fees, the, this and that it's like. If they're, if they're not going to clean up, there's going to be a cleaning fee. And I tell you what, if it's me, I'm the most expensive cleaning person they're ever going to deal with, you know? So, yeah. um, I mean, so it's just getting organized. That's awesome. That's awesome. So are you um, on your marketing? What does your marketing look like? Um, I mean, as far as like to find deals or. Yeah. Yeah. Prospecting, finding deals. Is it direct mail? Is it PPC, SEO, relationships? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much all the above, like as far as like. You know, obviously we have different things with our website. Like we do like different things on social media. I do direct mail, like as silly as it sounds like, and I, I, I guess it's all based on your particular area. Like if where I am in Pennsylvania, everybody is still like very like homegrown people. So like a lot of it is bandit signs. Like when I first got started, I would put up like five bandit signs, like five to 10 oh, bandit signs. Nice. At, yeah, yeah. Well, I would have like the one time yeah. I put up like five signs, I had 16 voicemails, like within like a few days. Like people would go crazy over that. A lot of it is like relationships. Like I'm also a licensed agent. So I know all the different agents in the area. So just letting them know that I'm you know, a serious buyer, I'm interested in purchasing property. But I mean, there would be times where I wouldn't put up signs for like years and then people would call me because like I was the person that everybody knew that would buy and sell houses in the area. And people would call me like, you know, two years after I put up a sign and they're like, hey, I saw your signs. And I'm like, I don't know where, but like, um, you know, so people would, you know, find me that way. But 
a lot of stuff was like very, very organic. Like in the beginning, like, I mean, my social media exploded in the beginning, like just because there was nobody that really was doing anything like I was doing in the area. So, you know, we've done different sort of ads. We do different sort of like Facebook ads. Um, I mean, there was times where we would do some Facebook ads and I'd have to bring on like additional virtual assistants because I couldn't keep up with the volume of leads and things like that, that we were getting. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, in the beginning, like I would like when somebody would ask me that question you just did in the beginning, I would feel so silly because I'm like, I don't do anything and I get a crap ton of leads. Like, I mean, it was, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, it was a great problem, but then like also the thing that sucked is there wasn't a lot of investor competition. So if I have 20 leads, I can't wholesale it to anybody because there was Mm -hmm. nobody here that did what I did. So, um, yeah, so that's why I had to be great at flipping. Yeah. That's why I had to take on so many myself. Cause I didn't, but you know, I, I mean, there was some wholesaling, but like really it would be like somebody from another state that I would try to facilitate contractors and that for them, you know, here's the product, you know, here's a project here's cause our prices were so affordable. I mean, like in the beginning I would get houses under contract for like 13 K like 8,000, you know, 11,000. I mean, I'd get a house that was like, you know, had new windows that would have everything in it. They just couldn't afford it. I get it for like 20 K. So, I mean, it was like the prices were ridiculous, you know, yeah. so I, like people from other states, they couldn't get something like that. So, I mean, that's what I've kind of arranged for them. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let me ask you, we'll close this out on this. Um, if you had to go back to your 25-year-old Jenna and give her one piece of advice, what would that be? Um, I mean, I really don't have anything that I would change. I would just say that like it gets better. It gets easier. You, I mean, you're going to accomplish I think I accomplished more than what I even had set out for goals and and so like I would just basically tell myself that that this is the right decision this is the right path that there is light at the end of the tunnel and and to keep pushing keep like to keep going that's awesome that's powerful so Jenna where can they find you um, on pretty much on every social media platform, it's just at Jenna Buys Houses. So Jenna, J-E-N-N-A, Buys is plural, B-U-Y-S, and then Houses, H-O-U-S-E-S. And that's kind of, I mean, I kind of lucked into just doing some of my marketing that way. One of my mentors, they're like, you know, do all your stuff with Jenna Buys Houses because women are going to be more comfortable calling a girl. Men are just going to think, oh, we're just calling a girl. It's, you know, no competition kind of a thing. And I mean, that's literally, it took off. So um, that's how pretty much all my social media was. So Jenna buys houses. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I mean, it's a very inspiring story. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, is there anything that we left out? Is there anything that you want to touch upon that we didn't, that we didn't talk about? No, I mean, I appreciate your time. Appreciate you having me. And hopefully um, we've inspired some, some future entrepreneurs and just knowing that I mean, I came from a, I invest in some of the poorest counties in the state of Pennsylvania, you know, came into it with no support behind me, not, you know, a lot of financial backing, zero education. Like I didn't even know what the word escrow meant when I got into this and, 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 and zero, zero, yeah. you know, computer or social media experience at all. And if I can figure and finagle my way through it, then literally there's no excuse why anybody can't do this. So it's just how bad do you want it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Thank you so much. Inspiring story. And uh, I, I look forward to following you on social media. Thanks. All right. Till next time. 
So that's a wrap. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you receive value from this episode. If so, please share this podcast with your friends so we can help more people just like you. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, IG, and YouTube at Real Talks. That's R-E-I-L Talks. So until next time, keep it cool and keep it real.